Welcome to Group Text. We have a really interesting topic today, and I think one that's very, very timely. We're going to be talking about grief. With the sudden loss of Kobe Bryant and his daughter and the seven others, we're really seeing this outpouring of grief, especially here in the Los Angeles community. Today, I have some pretty amazing guests. We have Sabrina Miller, my partner in crime, Lauren Schneider, the clinical director of children's programming at Our House Grief Support Center, documentarian John Keane, Amy Yazbek, the founder of the John Ritter Foundation for Aortic Health, and Sam Rubin from KTLA. He's the entertainment reporter. He does all sorts of stuff, so most of you probably know his name, and has been sort of the voice of Los Angeles through all of these different deaths we've had in the last couple of years. Welcome, everyone. Sam, you covered a lot of celebrity deaths, but you were actually down at Staples Center when news of Kobe broke because it was the day of the Grammys. It, what was it like down there? It was the most extraordinary thing because uh, I was there, as were others, uh, very early in the day to do these Grammy previews, and we were doing this for, for various foreign outlets. And the the word of his death came at around after 11 in the morning, 11.15 or so. And then this LA Live Plaza, which I'm sure those of us sitting here are familiar with, where that Microsoft Theater is, an area uh, right adjacent to Stable Center, people just started to show up. And I, I said to somebody who was clearly bereaved, you know, what, what prompts you to come here? And they said in the most emotional way, I, I didn't know where else to go. And so what was surprising to me was this idea of kind of mass grief. And people were, you know, quote unquote, grown men were crying. People were deeply, deeply affected. And one, and I think, as there was some press there, once word got out, oh, gee, this is where people are coming, more and more people came. And one gentleman I spoke with had a poster, and he said, I'm a 30-year-old man, and I've had this poster in my bedroom no matter where I've lived for as long as I can remember. And, you know, he meant this to me, and he meant that to me, and he was a role model for many of us, and he was really breaking down who didn't have role models. And in a weird way, I felt a, a slight sense of detachment because I certainly know who Kobe Bryant is. And I, you know, have attended a Laker game or two. But it didn't strike me that way. But it was very uh, impactful to see how it absolutely struck others. And then another thing that's happened, and I'm sure both you and Amy can, can speak to this experience, is if his death was announced at 11.15 by 11.20, here's a phone call from New Zealand, here's a text from Australia. It, it literally ricochets all around the world in so quickly, it's hard to believe. Have you seen anything like this other than with Michael Jackson? Because you have covered just by nature of being in Los Angeles and on the front lines and you've covered it for all different networks. Anything quite like that? I mean, I, I remember like as a child watching TV and seeing Anne Margaret crying in front of Graceland when Elvis died. I don't think I ever remember seeing anything like that sort of since, except with Michael Jackson. The, the, the Michael Jackson analogy, the, 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 what's so interesting, people sort of forget to remember, Farrah Fawcett died that day. I know. And, I know. and so Farrah Fawcett passed away, and we had done quite a bit of coverage about that. And then she was, I was driving home around 1230 and got, a, oh, you need to come back. Michael Jackson just died. And I literally said, he did not die. Farrah Fawcett died. Like, the, the day of death is over. Yeah, like, duh. duh. And then, um, you know, and this is probably another discussion for another day. 
TMZ was the first with the news of Kobe's death. TMZ was the first with the news of Michael Jackson's death. And, you know, TMZ is right 90% of the time, but they're not right all the time. So with Michael Jackson, and they said, oh, he's dead, I'm like, you know what, we need to hear it from somebody else because I don't really believe it from them. And then the LA Times shortly thereafter said he had died. Um, I do think it's, I, that's the analogy that I draw to because of the fact that there was just this public convulsion of grief. So I, I think Michael Jackson is, is, is the analogy that I was thinking of. Uh, you speak about TM, you speak of TMZ. Um, I know for me personally, the first phone call I got was from my mother's assistant because it was early in the morning in LA when everything went tragically wrong with my mother. Second phone call I got, TMZ. They knew more than I did. Fascinating. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. But also I have to say kudos to them because they actually dropped for a sec and tried to help me get to New York as fast as possible. They were looking for a plane for me simultaneously. But I have to say, you're right, TMZ is always right. But that public sudden shock. And Amy, I want to talk to you about this. But Lauren, I just want to ask you, how is it different with sort of A, the collective grief, but B, the suddenness, the shock value? How does that affect people in their grieving process? Well, I think Kobe is a good example of this that, and for you too, just trying, your brain is trying to make sense of this situation that it's impossible to make sense of it, you know, so you're in shock, you can't process information the way you can under normal circumstances, and everybody was trying to um, you know, to find a place for this. So a lot of the people that are showing up there, that's what they're doing. They're seeking information and um, and just kind of walking around like in this state of shock. And so they're numb. They're not even really beginning to grieve yet. They're just in a crisis situation, actually. And then the grief feelings, the actual, the sadness and stuff that people feel like you who had an actual relationship that was impacted, that starts to surface a little bit later when the shock starts to wear off. Mm -hmm. Did you find it tough, And which I found too, obviously, the judgment that people put on you on how you were supposed to grieve? Oh, please. So I, I've thought of it as like Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's five stages of grief, five stages of grief on stage. Mm -hmm. And it's a complete it's a completely different thing because you are being observed in the most private and raw moments of your life and trying to protect your family from that too. And the thing about when Kobe passed away and it's like almost when someone dies and every culture has something like this. There's wailing, there's a bell ringing and everybody comes together to put their arms around that family. I know. And, and you sadly had covered sure. my mother's and, and Amy's husband's death is there is so much speculation. Also, what I felt was a lot of judgment. And you mentioned, Vanessa, on how I was supposed to be grieving and how I was supposed to feel. Now, granted, I unfortunately had already been through it once with my father, right. who, again, was another public death. So I would think maybe I was a little bit more prepared for it than with my mother. Sabrina, however, who was there with us, your husband got leveled in a very strange way talking about public grief. So when my husband, we were already in New York and when my husband left Los Angeles, he had to fly by himself, but he said once he got to the airport in the American Airlines terminal from the curb to the gate, 
on every monitor, they had a picture of Joan with one of the staff, what, whether it was a captain, a stewardess, oh. a lay person. And he said he, he almost couldn't get on the plane. He said it was so overwhelming. But everybody, and then once they knew when he got on the plane wh- who he was and where he was going, he said they just all they were just there. It was like they were supporting each other. Um, but he said it was so overwhelming. By the time he got to New York, he was just like, I don't know how you guys have done this. This is a lot because you really are grieving hard and in public and everybody has a part in it. Grief, we all know it and it, we it rings something in us of how we're all connected, whether it's something or it's something huge or the fear of something happening. And some people distance themselves from you, not just because they don't know what to say, because they don't want to get any death on them. Well, I, it's I, crazy. I, I don't know, but I think you there, understand no, what there, I mean. there's this idea of quote unquote, the stench of death. Absolutely. And then I think something that is, that happens a lot now is, is it authentic grieving or is it grieving in some inauthentic way? And who's, who's to judge that, but people do. You know what? Yeah. To speak to what Amy said, I've never experienced this before, but, um, at church, there was a group of us, my really good friend, her husband died, then she died. And then another girlfriend that we all sat with died two ladies that sat on the row with us, they were like, we're not sitting down there. That's the death row. I'm telling you what. And I was like, are you kidding me? I was like, God, strike them right now. Take both of these wenches. (laughs) Take them now. (laughs) Now, I understand being being afraid to be with somebody who's lost someone because you're going to end up looking like an a-hole when you go, oh, my husband didn't do the dishes this morning. You're like, oh, you're alive, freaking husband? Oh, I'm really sad for you because you do kind of get like that when people but you also are to, insensitive. You also do have to let it go and, and, and live through it, which actually brings me actually to both John and Sam. When you are working with people and you from the front lines and you from the front lines, actually, John, is um, how, do you, how do you begin to do your work? Sam, you as a reporter and John's you as a documentarian, dealing with people who are actively grieving or still carrying these traumatic grief type experiences with them. Also like with you, you had to cover my mom right? who you had a relationship with. Right. Well, you know, two things come to mind with, with, with the Kobe thing. I think in the immediacy of it, it was comforting for people to talk. They wanted to talk. Mm -hmm. And so you didn't, you know, the thing that everybody dreads is that, you know, which thankfully I've never had to do, but my colleagues have that knocking on the door of the crime victim's family, you know, which would just be the most awful thing imaginable. But in the the Kobe case, um, I think people wanted to. And then, you know, as I was coming here, I was thinking a lot, Melissa, about your mom. And one thing that I think in the very initial stages of that report, I think people thought, oh, Joan Rivers, doctor's office. Oh, this must be her one zillionth plastic surgery. And there was probably a a, a blame or a, but the the fact that, that, that something that had nothing to do with it Mm -hmm. entered into it would be an additional hardship, frankly. Right. So, um, and and Jesse, for me, I I see it. You work, you've done two movies about, about Holocaust survivors. Right. Because to me, and here's what's, what's great about this interaction right here, because Sam deals with the public, collective grief. You are speaking to that for a community. What I'm looking at is how people get the hell out of bed in the morning. After you've been through what you've been through, how do you get out of the bed? So that personal grief, the private grief that I know you've been through, Mel, and I'm I, just from meeting you guys now, that to me is what's interesting because 
the collective will move on. Like in our, in our religion, like shitting Shiva, that first week we come to the, the house. Well, and gain to, weight. To, well, to, to eat. Well, that's why we food. bring the food. Yeah. But the point of it is it's, a, it's, good to it's eat a, a gift feelings. to the mourners. The family lets everybody yes. else mourn. Right. And then they leave. And then the people that have the personal grief are left with that. But, it, but that to me is like the fascinating thing to me. And, and we all go through, we've all, and again, it goes back to the, the suffering Olympics. Who has suffered more? So one of my favorite things is, is a Holocaust survivor, Auschwitz survivor, who's a social worker, just said, everybody has their own personal Auschwitz. And, and, and oh, that's you very feel, generous because I would well, be embarrassed says, to say that. If you feel pain, you feel pain. That pain yeah. is real, and we have to recognize that pain, whether the pain is as silly as a broken nail. No, but I know what you mean. And, and again, there's a, there's there. But if if you're feeling pain, like when you have children, if yeah. a child feels something, oh, yeah. you can't say get over it. No. If you feel pain and you are suffering, you feel pain. Well, it's Lauren, not us that's to judge how valid your pain but is. But Lauren, one of the things which our house does, which is so amazing, which I think is a very interesting thing, is you guys put as best I can explain it, like with like. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, talk a little bit about that because I think that's a very, it speaks to what we're talking about, about how people judge grief and how someone is grieving properly. Right, well, so that people can have a peer group to grieve with so they're not competing like who's is worse, like what you're talking about. You know, so I think one of the conversations going on right now is that these, the forgotten people that were on the helicopter too, that they're not getting the same kind of of attention. But I have to say, kudos to most of the media. Mm -hmm. That has been very, very sort of aware of that and making sure all the other names are are, are listed and just like they've done at most of the basketball games specifically at uh, Staples Center listed everybody's names and what was fascinating listed it alphabetically mm-hmm. oh yeah that's, that's, that yeah. Well, that's very respectful and I think people are learning because these public deaths they're coming fast and furiously but we're getting we're learning from our mistakes so now they're doing that they're paying more attention to everybody who was on the helicopter but if you have a peer group to 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 grieve with that you have those things in common with, then then you don't have to go through it alone. For children, in like what stages of are, is the way that they kind of grok that they understand it, and it, so instead of having like a bunch of five year olds, which our child was on their fifth birthday, it happened, is like to to have them and some thirteen year old go, nah, now nah, he's dead, and nah, nah, nah. I mean, because like everybody has their own thing. I thought that was so brilliant to be able to go with a, a bunch of kids that age that all have this much magical thinking going on and this much and a little bit of it just was so beautiful for us thank you i'm glad it was and helpful. the parents and what's interesting is the parents of those that age group five to seven i don't know what it what was you four, had four, four to seven. a four-year-old yeah four, yeah four to seven whatever the age group was at that time the parents that are waiting the and most of the people had the kids had lost a parent mm-hmm. so all of the widows and widowers we had our own little kind of ersatz meeting there yeah Yeah. because i was still i was nervous because i don't even think it was tmz at the time when john died 2003 not so much but whatever the inquirer and everything they were i mean they were right following us and saying when we were going into that building and stuff and i didn't want to bring that to to you guys do you know what i mean and so i didn't join any of the the groups for the parents, but boy, did I get so much out of it just waiting for all of us for our five-year-olds who are what, grieving. Let's just sort of, in general, if we could, just sort of talk through the st- 
stages of grief. And I say that with big old air quotes Mm -hmm. because I believe nobody grieves the same way. Mm -mm. I mean, what are those stages? Mm. Well, if we're not going to talk about stages like Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's stages. No, but I'm saying stages. it's very loosely. Isn't that, there an acronym for it? It's like ABADA or something? Yeah, da, DAB, you're talking about DABDA. Yeah, that's what. I always think of all that jazz. Right, okay. <laughs> that's how I remember it. But, I mean, <laughs> once people are done with with that shock period, you know, that a lot there's a lot of anger going on. People were looking for someone to blame last week, you know, and so the, the law, um, is it the helicopter That's company? So, or, the Armenian community yes. was so distraught because the pilot of the helicopter is Armenian. I know, I was And they're so like, awful. we're going to be blamed for killing Kobe. Where are you seeing all of this going? Do, are you feeling sort well, of the I, drumbeat I, I, well, of blame? Well, no, one thing I think that happens is it's sort of a perverse math that goes on as well. Because if Kobe Bryant had been 81 and not 41, yes. you'd have a different feeling. If he had not, that, and it, 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 these are metrics, weirdly yeah, enough, uh, uh, if sure. there had not been children on that helicopter. And then one other thing, which is just, a, and this is my own uh a word I can use here that I think will be widely understood, mishugas, that I have to work out myself, yeah. right. is I always think wealth and good fortune inoculate you from things. Well, gosh, if you're rich enough. And it was precisely his wealth and good fortune that put him on put that helicopter. But it was... The re- also the reason he was here in our heads is that we knew him because of his talent, which made the wealth well, and good fortune. Precisely, yes. And you and you people do like go down that thing, but again, you believe the person's inoculated, but again, his wealth, right. his wealth and prestige allowed him to have the helicopter. Yeah. Especially like with medical things. Yeah. People treat celebrities differently, and I think it's really interesting. So, so you would you would tend to think I don't mean to speak for you. Your they mother, would, your mother would enjoy the best possible care. Right. And it turns out right. she, she didn't. didn't. And I and I think, which is something also, which I think plays into this, is the shock value. When, a, I mean, I always tell people when they say, oh, my God, it wasn't as bad as you. No, I believe everybody's grief sucks. You know, when people say to me, oh, I just, I'm like, well, let me just be really honest with you. This sucks and it's not going to be better for a while. Right. That's right. How much do you think it is important to just be, I mean, I know a lot of people don't want brutal honesty, but how important is it, not for children per se, but for adults to be able to just stand up and say, you know what, this is really going to be awful. I mean, how do you, is that an acceptable thing it, to say to people? Like, It's got to be. That's like Girlfriend's Guide to Pregnancy when everybody was saying having a baby is great. And then like somebody comes uh, out and says like this and this no, and get this the and drugs. your mom doesn't <laughs> right. tell you. Get the freaking drugs, man. Yeah. People are like, well, they're just sleeping. They're in another room. They're in a, they're in a better place and God takes them young. And I'm like. Shut your <laughs> trap. This yeah, you don't, sucks. You don't want to hear live, that. Live in how bad this sucks for a while because you're what not going to heal if you... Well, you're what do you think, Lauren? who you talk to. Yeah. You know, you're not going to be able well, to be that honest with everyone. You pick who you talk to. Right. But I, I really think a lot of this has to do with your perspective. So, like, the there's a lot of kids in this city right now who are also grieving a death of a friend. So yes. they're really identifying with the fact that, like, right now, this is taking away, like, Peyton died, too, and, and Gianna died, and um, the other little girl died, Alyssa died. And they're jealous because they're getting attention, and their friend isn't getting attention anymore. And these girls on Friday, that's what they were focused on, that 
those Ugh. kids are getting attention and their friend at their school isn't anymore. You know, so everyone that is triggering that kind of jealous response in them. How do you what, do you, what is your advice? How do you handle that? I, as a parent you know, or as just, a friend, you have to validate their feelings, and their their parents are already saying, you know, enough. You got to get back to your studies, Mm-mm. you know, and and um, you and then other kids are saying you're being too dramatic, you know, and you should you should be over it by now. And their friend only <sighs> has been gone for three and a half weeks. But Sam, and that's what's going to happen. Start happening to all of everybody involved in that particular death. How do you? know when it's okay to start actually examining the person's life from a realistic point of view. Well, there was there was an enormous debate, which I'm sure everyone here is familiar with. Uh, there were other aspects uh, to Kobe Bryant's life that were not as, as uh, savory or positive. And a woman from the Washington Post, uh, you know, upon his death, linked to an article. Oh, by oh, the yeah, way, when was he was in horrible. Colorado. I saw it. Okay, and, and, and you, you thought it was horrible because Which it, was, article? it was ill-timed. It was talking about the essentially the rape the charge. Okay. Well, the part I, that I thought was really unfair was they were saying that somehow this was deserved because of of what had happened. So that's happened. how you read it. It was so negative. That like article it was that was linked karma. to said that? Yeah, and that all men who commit these kinds of atrocities against women will pay for it karmically. And oh, it, it was, should only it happen to so, Harvey Weinstein. So hard. <laughs> Sorry, but I digress. Right. But, 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 it, but anyway, what was, what was so interesting about it, and, and uh, Peggy Noonan, who I think is, I don't always agree with, but I think is writes so beautifully, is such a brilliant, great, she's a brilliant, brilliant, writer. Brilliant, writer. brilliant writer. And she, what, what she was saying is, hey, look, history will evaluate the totality of a person's life, but while the helicopter wreckage is still smoldering, maybe this is not the time yeah. to, you know, point out. And so I, I thought that was, I thought that was very interesting. And then the other thing, which, and you know, it, it it's so interesting to hear what, what you have to say. The the date they're talking about is February 11th for some big public, dare I say, Michael Jackson esque memorial. You're the Rose Bowl. We heard the Coliseum. Right. I, what have you heard? I, I heard originally Staples, and then and then I tell you what, this is. I'll just say it. What they did in front of the game, I thought. Well, gee, they've done it. <laughs> right. See, here's what, here's, what I don't, here's what I don't get. And again, this is, this is and I try not to be cynical about anything because gr- grief is real. The people who are grieving over Kobe, they're going to move on. And they'll be, I don't mean the families. I don't yeah, mean the people. Yeah. Do, I mean the public. Into the, the public. Yeah. That grief will heal. Mm-hmm. People that experience real trauma, you d- in my opinion, from working with people who experience real trauma, you do you never move on from that. You don't heal from trauma. You learn how to move on. You learn how to face each day. You don't heal from it. No. Kobe's wife, Vanessa, will not heal from no. this. The children will not heal from this. The others on the planet will, hell, will not heal. They will learn how to move forward with this. They will incorporate and that's it. The, so yeah. it's like everyone else is going to move on. Right. They'll have their big event and they will move on. And then a year from now, somebody, somebody else famous will pass away. And we'll have this outpouring again. Well, I mean, Sabrina watched me go through this with Cooper. And one of the most profound moments I had with my son, who was so close to my mother, and she really was another parent to him, um, was we just, we came home from New York. And it was all obviously a big blur. And he was in his room and he was crying. And I was like, you know, what's How wrong? How old is he at the time? He is now 19 how and a college old? freshman. Congratulations. But how know. old was he? At oh, the he day? was in eighth third. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 12, 13. It was five years ago. Five years ago, yeah. So um, 
He, yeah, he's him. a stunningly well-adjusted child. Considering in spite of everything that he's been subjected to. <laughs> Nature, nurture, I have no idea how Cooper <laughs> is as amazing is as he is. Is that a dig on his mom right there? It's <laughs> a real dig. There you go. Fair enough. Yeah. Why not you? I have seen children wow. raised by wolves. I mean. <laughs> Starting with me. Um, uh, yeah. No, he is. He, I don't know how he he managed to get all recessive genetics or I don't know what it is, but he's a pretty, pretty spectacular human. Um, uh, in my opinion, I'm just his mother. Um, but I walked into his room and he, I said, you know, obviously what's wrong? I knew what was wrong. So it was sort of a, a, a rhetorical question. And he said to me, nothing will ever be good again. Oh, mm -hmm. 100%. And I remember saying mm -hmm. to him, you're wrong. Nothing will ever be the same, same. again. Things will right. be good. You will be happy. Things will be fantastic. Things will be amazing. And I think it's the idea of moving on. And how? And, and I had to say that to him. Um, and it's still, I can, I, I can see it in my mind like it was yesterday. And it was so heartbreaking because I had to say to him, I couldn't say to him, you're right. This is all really fucked up and sucks. I had to say to him, no, no, you are wrong. Things will be good again. But we talk about, and we're just touching on like Vanessa, which sort of leads to a lot of different people in different ways, is how do you cope when, and it also spins off of what I was asking Sam about when is it okay to start examining the life in its, through, the, through, the, through a clear lens, not through rosy colored glasses. How does someone like a Vanessa move on? Or basically anyone who suffers that kind of tragedy and loss move on. Well, you said before that grief is unique for everybody, and that's really an important message for everybody mm -hmm. to keep, uh, um, you know, repeating okay. that. But um, the word, my problem with the word move on is I that it implies that you're done grieving and you're never done grieving. So that, that, that phrase is problematic. It's, they're not moving on. They're continuing with their life while they're still grieving, but they're investing in other things. And the idea, though, of finding meaning, like you you made meaning out of John's death by starting the foundation. Yeah. And, but you know, I think that... That takes a long, long time, and some people never can do it. I, d I think part of it was maybe, in a way, and it was... It was funny because pe people would say, is this a way of keeping John alive? And I'm like, no, it's a way of keeping you alive, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I talk to people who are grieving. They, they, their doctor goes, oh, yeah, your, your wife or your kid died from that John Ritter thing. And uh, it's really rare. And, it, and it's not. And so they look, John Ritter goes to John Ritter Foundation. They get a hold you, of You're at a point where you, you're either looking forward or looking back. And if you look back, you turn to salt. You, 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 there's a time, it's the Orpheus myth. Yes. There's a time where you can look back. Sam. Yes, ma'am. More interesting to me, Sam, anyway. Save it. Save it, Sam. <laughs> Sam, we're going to this. Bring it back. <laughs> how do you, when it's someone that you know, how do you separate and how do you separate from your job versus the personal feelings? You know what? I, and I say this selfishly, I try not to separate because I think if it is somebody I know, I can uh, convey some aspect, this person has gone, we're sad about it. And here's, here's why we're sad about it. Or here's, here's something that I've experienced that might make you particularly sad about it. And one thing that I find it's the, the strangest thing is on social media, if you, what Fred Silverman, who was a TV executive, yes. who some people, rest in peace, passed away. 
if you post something about anybody dying, anybody, and we might rank people's clout or lack thereof, it to me is extraordinary about how people want to chime in. And again, who I would say almost certainly don't know them. But, you know, Fred Silverman was responsible for putting a couple television shows on the air. A couple. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. But, but you know, for people who don't know, Fred Silverman was the one person in history who was, was the president of every, every single, single network, network right. when there were only well, three, three networks. networks. Wow. But, you know, oh, my God, um, Hill Street Blues was my very favorite. You know, I right. think that – so it, it is always tremendously interesting to me um, – and sometimes it'll be people that, that, that I think are obscure. Oh, but I, but I, I most always, and I, not as a, service is the wrong word, but I often repost obituaries that have come up. Oh, gee, I'm sorry to hear about X. And then I'm astounded by the degree of reaction right. when I would think, well, gee, nobody remembers the lead guy from ALF. Well, a lot of people do. Right. So, right that, uh, that, well, most people read obituaries because they're looking for property and. <laughs> oh, maybe. <laughs> That's right. New York, that was New York. Yeah, in New York, that always meant that there, you know, right. the joke was always at the end of the obituary to say, and they left a three bedroom, you know, in a in a condo building. For real? No, it's a joke. Oh, oh god, oh god, I'm sorry. <laughs> With Kobe Bryant, the line is the children. Right. The absolute line that no one is allowed to speculate about or that is the children. Right. Where does the where does the press find that line. How do you, I mean, I know like with Michael Jackson, that line got very blurry from too soon right. talking about the kids and about his past. Where, where is that line? That's, that, that, that's a good question. I, and I, I think I would tell you in, you know, 2020, there is less of a line and that the line is, is blurry and undefined. And, you know, this whole idea of, of, of being first before being right is is terrible, mm. but is well. Is Sabrina dealt with that with my mom a lot. Yeah, yeah. We had a really. It, it was a very difficult time in my life. I will definitely say that, and it took me a long time. I'm still not over it. Um, you won't be. No, you and you. You do move on or move forward, but you make adjustments. But we're talking about like adjustments, but also, but where is it okay? Where, where are you have to do, like you said, you, you would have rather to be you, right. Right. But you do, you, you ask people to be respectful and, but people are they're they're wanting to go for the story. They, they want to go for their moment, you know, whatever that is. And it just, it's actually really sickening to tell you the truth. We, we went through a lot. Yeah. But how much pressure do you feel to get it, always get it right? Well, I, I, because you I, generally I, I, yeah, do. I think you want it. <laughs> I think you want to get it right. Do you mean get the facts right or get the tone right of how get the tone? Right. We're the giving, tone giving right. the Academy Award to Moonlight would be an example of hey, let's get the facts right. This is yeah, a little different. different. When we deal about right. who's yeah. in that helicopter. Right. Look at Rick Fox's family. Oh Rick my Fox God, right. Right. right to the helicopter. Yeah. That is a great question. That's the a whole, question of getting it right. 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 The whole Rick Fox thing what? that his that they had to Moonlight come out got the Oscar, but Rick Fox's family went through that. Yeah, Rick Fox's family had to say like, no, no, he's still. I started texting you know his daughter. There was a report initially that he was on the helicopter too. And that's obviously a false report. He wasn't. And he's in a shower or having a donut or doing something else. And he doesn't see the, you know, 800 messages on his phone what? for 20 minutes. Well, what about the other thing when they were saying TMZ has put the report out before the whole family has been? That actually I heard was debunked. Sam, you can speak But to it's that. a thing that can happen. And when right. John well, died, it, it was 10 o'clock at night. 
They called me. They were the second phone call I got, and they knew more than I did because they were listening to the police scanner. I mean, when the, my family, like in Ohio at that time of night, and I had to immediately make a phone tree of so they don't hear it on the news that Uncle John or that their brother-in-law. I mean, and of course, the John's kids. I mean, we, you, you know, guys lo- knew. locked. Yes, but they were scattered all mm-hmm. over and in college, and, and we had to like lock that down. But then, it, it's just again that. Being on stage or being a public person, which is like, well, that's your choice. You wanted to be a public person. Part of the person, bargain. Part of the bargain. And okay, it's it's part of the bargain, but there's a privacy to grief and, and death that's not honored, and it won't be. You can see it playing out now with Prince Harry, how the impact of the p- very public grief of his mom is impacting him now with his that's marriage and the choices that's he's making, how he wants to raise his son and stuff. So that that's... Oh, unfair. don't get me started. That's a whole separate podcast. I vastly <laughs> disagree. Well, but it's it could be it could be foreshadowing for how... Well, this I'm sure it reminds him of it, but, you know, I also had to go and have an endoscopy, which is what killed my mother, and I had to, I hate the term, man up and do it because... You were a little freaked out about but it. I mean, on, it was not just like, good. hey, I'm going to go in tomorrow. No, but I was good about it. Yeah, but... I mean, I'm We're not gonna, liking, I'm going to yeah, but with Sabrina over here. I'm just saying at one point, and, and John, you can actually speak to this. We all have to not forget, but reassess and, and move our lives in a different direction with our new reality. There's a connection. There's a connection to humanness, I think. Like, I, like I, the, when you just said that, the first thing I thought of was Joe Biden. And I'm not to go political, but Joe Biden suffered tremendous personal loss when his wife and children were in the car accident. His son, Bo, who Melissa and I went to school with, passed away recently. But there's a humanness that we can all relate to because we've all suffered. Some that way. somehow when you share that, there, the, the worst we can do to human beings is put them in solitary confinement. It's the worst punishment you can get because we are meant to be together. Is we that are meant like a really grieve. bad timeout? Yes, we are, but we are meant to be communal, and that's how. That's like when we grieve. That's how we're supposed to. Well, you were gonna I was say- just going to say that brings us back to this earlier uh, discussion of "quote unquote" the stench of death, which yes. I think is a, a, a thing that is extremely difficult for survivors. I don't know if that's the right word to to. Because I think that does happen. People are like, oh, that happened to you, or you're in the church pew. Oh, I don't want to be in that row anymore. Mm. I think that happens a lot. I I mean, I know for me personally, you know, having been, you know, a survivor of suicide and then of a a tragic accident, the suddenness is what brings it back for me. Like, and then I just want to wrap it up again with Kobe, which is what affected me was the suddenness. Yeah. And I think all grief is true, but I think how much does shock value save you? In the oh. beginning, I don't know that it. I don't really know. That's another one of those competitive things. Like which is worse, knowing or not knowing? And See, I found for me the shock value kept me functional. Yeah, absolutely. Because I had to put so. one foot in front of the other, and, you have a and child, that's a little all child. I had to do. There were exercises. I remember when our kid was in your your group. You? There were exercises in class, but they learned like to support each other in different ways. And one one last question, because. I think we've we've covered so much about that there is no correct way to grieve, that everyone is on a personal journey. But living in Los Angeles, and because I have Sam actually trapped in a reverse <laughs> situation, normally he's asking me questions. Nice. Mm-hmm. I can I can actually Yes. Sam Rubin, yes, this ma'am. is your life. Please. Um, 
How have you seen through the years that you've been doing this, has social, the change in celebrity death? As in, has it become sort of a more this mass grieving, more of a pop culture thing? Is social media a bigger part of it? Is it everyone's looking for some sort of commonality that everyone's unhappy rather than being in such a divisive society right now? I think it's funny because when you initially posed the question, the first adjective that popped into my head is I think it's bigger now. So I think that you, because of this sort of faux interconnectedness that we all have with the internet, the passing of the fourth lead from that girl will be incredibly impactful to a fairly large group of people for X amount of time. And then, again, it's a much more uh, superficial sense of loss, so the quote-unquote moving on is easier too. But all, all told, the whole thing, for good or for ill, is definitely bigger. Do you think it's more, uh, do you think it brings people together now? I, I thought at that, I, I thought it was ext extraordinarily communal at that LA Live Plaza. I had never seen anything like that. And they, they, I thought that was very uh, bonding for people and healing for people. I thought that was really extraordinary. Should the Grammys have canceled the red carpet? Because I have my own personal feelings of that. Right. I, you know, it's in a way, frankly, it's sort of self-canceled. I felt they should have stopped the red right. carpet except for maybe still photos and right. just sort of sent everybody But, but I, I, I tell you, I, I thought, and I think that contributed to it, I thought the Grammys got it Almost a thousand percent. I right. agree. It, yeah. And the fact that it's, I mean, we're digressing that right. it was Ken Ehrlich's last yes, one. Right. who's the producer. Yeah. He did it right. I think Alicia Keys was she amazing. Was right. yeah. And I think yeah. they really addressed the lines. But that's again an award show. Right. <laughs> anyway, thank you everyone so, so much. It's always interesting to get different takes on, on grief and, and death from different people's perspectives. Some of us similar perspectives, like myself and Amy, Sam's perspective, and, and everyone else's. Thank, Thank you, guys. Thank you, Melissa. Thanks, Mel. Thank you.